uh, let me just point out that one of the great contemporary Moroccan authors, not Jewish, Moroccan author, uh, writes lovely stories about life in the small traditional Moroccan villages before modernity, before modern times reached Morocco. And in one of his stories, he tells that he tells of the local imam, the local Muslim preacher, who is beloved by all of the Muslims in the village. They, 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 they just can't get enough of this guy. They love. He gives the greatest drushes. He gives the greatest sermons in the mosque. He gives the greatest lessons to the children, teaching them Quran. He visits the sick. He, he does great deeds. He, he's, he's really a great saint, and all the Muslims in the community love their preacher. Indeed, they love him so much, they cannot wait for him to die so that they will be able to pray at his gravesite. Well, well, you see, uh, the, the, the idea of praying at the gravesite of a deceased righteous person is not unique to the Jews of Morocco. It's uh, something which is to be found even among the non-Jewish community. So, uh, let us um, let us look at the sources. I can get the right the right page onto the screen. First try. Let's see. There we got it. The subject is Kivre Avot, going to the gravesites of our ancestors relatives and Kivrei Tzadikim, the grave sites of the, of, the, uh, of the great righteous Jews. This, the text we're going to look at is uh, from the Bach. Uh, his name was Rav Yoel Sirkis, 17th century uh, Lithuania. Great commentary on the tour. Bach stands for Bayat Hadash. Uh, the, an earlier commentary had been written by Rav Yosef Karo. The author of the Shulchan Aruch, uh, commentary written on the tour, he called his commentary Beit Yosef. So Rav, Rav uh, Yoel Sirkis calls his uh, the Bayit <coughs> Hadash. Bottom line, extraordinarily influential Ashkenaz authority. Mm-hmm. He's writing about Hanodrim Leilech Lebeta Kvarot. People <coughs> often make vows that they're going to go to the cemetery. Uh, they make a vow that they'll visit the gravesite of one of their ancestors. They make a vow that they're going to go to the gravesite of a great rabbi. And uh, the question is whether or not such vows are appropriate or inappropriate. It would seem a little bit, he says, it would seem that someone who is making a vow to make a pilgrimage to the gravesite of a great rabbi or an ancestor, it's a little bit like seeking out the dead. Exactly the, exactly the prohibition we saw last time. In the Torah, we have an example of kolev. Uh, in the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, the generation of Yehoshua, Kalev, who went to visit the gravesite of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov in Hebron, uh, just outside of Hebron, hit palel l'shem b'makom kedusha nishma'at. When Kalev went to visit the gravesites of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov 
in Hebron, in the Maratha Machpelah, he didn't go there in order to have any communication with the deceased patriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. He went there to pray to God because it was a place of special Kedusha. Kedichtiv, like it says in the verse regarding Avraham, El HaMakom Asher Amad Sham, go to the place where great events took place, and that's a place, a location of sanctity there. HaMakom Gorem, the place, is a good place for tefillah, a good place for davening to God. Well, according to this, there is justification to go to the gravesite, not because of the person who is buried there, but because that is a good place to daven to God. If you want to pray to God, the gravesite's a good place to do it, the Bach says. Uh, inami, alternatively, there's also a, another good justification for going to a gravesite. The first justification was you want to pray to God, and that's a good place to do it. Uh, second justification for uh, visiting a gravesite is maybe maybe before the person died, you insulted him. Maybe before the person died, you offended her, him or her, it doesn't really matter, right? Maybe you insulted or offended the deceased before he or she died, and now, and now, you want to get forgiveness. Well, normally, if you offend someone, if you insult someone, a part of the tshuva process, part of repentance, of course, requires asking for forgiveness. After all, after, after all, in order to get kapara, in order to get forgiveness from God for any sin between persons, ben adam if the sin is between persons, you, you stole from someone, you insulted someone, you offended someone, you injured someone, if it's a sin between persons, God will not forgive you until the person you have offended has forgiven you. You have to return the money, or perhaps perhaps he'll forego, forego getting the money back, but, but you have to satisfy the person you have injured or offended. Well, if he's already dead, you can, of course, return the money to the estate or to the inheritors, but if it's a question of having offended or insulted someone and that person dies, well, the best you can do is go to the grave site and ask for forgiveness. There are sources for this. But many people are not very educated and really don't know the halachas. I don't know why they go to gravesites. The two legitimate reasons to go to a gravesite are to daven to God, pray to God, or to ask forgiveness if you have offended or insulted someone while they were living. People who are not well educated and do not know the correct halachas, I do not understand why they go to gravesites. They must have other reasons why they're going, incorrect reasons, improper reasons. The only proper reasons are to pray to God or to ask forgiveness, or to ask for forgiveness. And therefore, People who have made nidorim, 
people who have made vows to visit a gravesite, they probably want to go for an improper reason, communicating with the dead or something like that. And therefore, I find a way to release them from their vow. After all, someone who has made a vow, it would be better to have the vow released than to fulfill the vow. This is a terribly important idea. In the, word, in the words of the Talmud, in the words of, 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 of Chazal, anyone who makes a vow it is as though he has built an illicit altar. That, that's a complicated way of saying you should never make vows. Vows are bad. It's like you've built an illicit altar. Anyone who fulfills his or her vow, it's as though you have offered an illegitimate sacrifice on the illicit altar. You shouldn't have made the vow in the first place. And if you did make it, see whether or not you can have the vow released by a bet-din. A bet-din, not in every case, there are vows which cannot be released. But a vows which can be released should be released by a bet-din uh, so you won't have to fulfill the vow. You can still do the good thing you wanted to do, but not with the force of a vow uh, compelling you to do it. Yatiru lahem haneder the Bezdin should release the neder, release the vow, to go to the gravesite if possible. And instead of going to the gravesite, which was almost surely for an improper reason, it would be better not to go to the gravesite. Uh, instead, do something which really is a mitzvah. Give tzedakah. That really is a mitzvah. Give tzedakah. How much tzedakah give? Give, give the amount of tzedakah that you would have spent on the pilgrimage to the, uh, to the gravesite. Uh, someone vows to go to a gravesite. He shouldn't have done it. Let's see if we can get him out of the obligation. Let's see if we can encourage him to do a real mitzvah. Give tzedakah instead. Achakach. If you give charity or do a real mitzvah, that will benefit your soul. Going to gravesites, well, uh, if you want to dive into God, it's okay, but you might as well do that at home or in the synagogue. And uh, if you did insult, or offend someone, then of course you have to ask for forgiveness. But that's not the reason that most people are going to the uh, to the gravesite. Is uh, uh, asking forgiveness from a dead person not doresh mate, not seeking out the dead? Well, uh, uh, yes and no. Yes and no. The uh, the uh, once a person has died, it's too late to get forgiveness for that person. Nonetheless, we, uh, the offender wants to get kapara, wants God to forgive him. Uh, and therefore, in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to forgive the sin, some effort is going to have to be made. And the, uh, the, the, the effort which has to be made is at least betake yourself to the, uh, to the gravesite. Uh, that at least expresses your regret 
for having insulted or offended the person. And once you have expressed your regret for having insulted or offended, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then God can forgive you. So you, you're not actually asking for forgiveness. It's too late to do that. But you are expressing your own harata, your own sorrow, your own regret for having insulted or offended uh, the deceased. Okay, bottom line. The, uh, uh, bottom line, according to the Bach, there are only two reasons which justify visiting grave sites. Usually, these don't apply, and therefore, usually, it's not worth going. Correct. Uh, it, it, uh, as far as yard sites are concerned, the only reason to go on a yard site, according to the Bach, is like any other time of the year, either as an opportunity to pray to God, but you can do that at home or in the synagogue, or if you've offended the person, even going on a yard site, according to the Bach, is not of any particular value. And someone who has made a vow to visit the grave site on a uh, the grave on a, on a yard site, uh, it would be better to get that that uh, vow released and uh, do a real mitzvah, give tzedakah or something like that instead. Now the um, uh, the uh, according to this, there's no reason to visit the gravesite of one's parents unless you have one of these two legitimate reasons. The um, According to this, there's no particular value to go to visit the gravesite of a parent on, on, on yard site on the date of the death unless you happen to be fulfilling one of these two reasons. Uh, the, the Bach is therefore not very sympathetic. Up to this point, the Bach is not very sympathetic with visiting gravesites. We're going to see even stronger voices coming up in a moment. Uh, up to this point, we've been speaking about the halachic reasons for visiting gravesites, and they are two in number. But in addition to the halachic reasons for visiting a gravesite, there are also mystical, there are also mystical aspects involved here. Um, Kibud Avem is a separate topic. We have to discuss that on a separate uh, uh, occasion when we can concentrate on what is and what is not honoring uh, of a person or a deceased person. Um, uh, maintaining, uh, making, making sure that the gravesite is properly maintained can be an element of kavod, honoring the deceased. But honoring the deceased, that's a whole separate topic which we're not going to get into uh, for today. The uh, bottom line. Uh, the Bach is now turning to the mystical reasons for visiting the gravesite uh, based on the Zohar. And, and before we look at the reason, let me point out that we are here in the 17th century, early 17th century, and, and, and this is the point in Jewish history when Kabbalistic reasons drawn from the Zohar were first drawn into the halachic discussion prior to the uh, period of the uh, of the Bach that we are looking at prior to the 17th century or late 16th century uh, the, the, the discussion of Kabbalistic sources was always separate from discussion of halachic sources it never occurred to the great rabbis in the earlier generations that the Zohar and Kabbalistic sources were instructing us how to act, how to behave, 
prior to this period in time, the Zohar and mystical sources were always thought of as instructing us how to think, how to understand the universe, how to view the world in which we live, but how to act, how to behave in the world, that came from halachic sources, Gemara, Rambam, Shulchan Aruch, and so forth. Now, for the first time in Jewish history, Zoharic, Kabbalistic sources, are being drawn into the halachic discussion uh, in order to reach conclusions about how to act, how to behave, not only how to view the world, how to understand the universe. Well, in the Zohar, in the Kabbalistic sources, we learn, Kevan Tzadik b'mitato nikrachai, since the Tzadik, when he dies, still has an element of life, a Tzadik continues to live even after his death. Well, since according to the Zohar, there is an idea of the Tzadik, the righteous Jew, continuing life even after death, therefore it makes sense to visit the location where the tzaddik, where the righteous person is located at the moment. And that's where the neshama, that's where the soul of the righteous person is to be found. And therefore it makes sense to visit according to the Zohar. Of course, when you visit the grave site of the great tzaddik, for example, the grave site of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, uh, the um, uh, the patriarchs in, uh, in in Hebron, of course, you're going to go there only to daven to God, only to pray to God. And since this practice has its source in the Zohar, no rabbi should ever make any attempt to cancel this practice. Okay, now, now, now let's understand the structure of the Bach that we've just seen, beginning to end. The structure is as follows. He begins by telling us there are only two reasons to go to a gravesite. Of the two reasons, only one is very common, that is, to pray to God. The other reason exists and is correct, but doesn't come up so often, uh, to ask for forgiveness after having insulted or offended the deceased. Next, there is a Zoharic source, which says that there, a Kabbalistic source, which says that there is value to go to the gravesite, and therefore rabbis should never interfere with Jews who wish to act in accord with the Zohar, in accord with the Kabbalistic sources. A Jew who wishes to do that is entitled to do so, and therefore we should make no effort to block him. But when he goes to the gravesite, and he's going because of the Kabbalistic sources, still the only correct thing to do there is to pray to God. Uh, uh, the Kabbalistic sources justify going to the gravesite, but once you're there, 
you're only allowed to pray to God, or in the unusual case, ask forgiveness if you insulted or offended the person. Um, as far as uh, sources which uh, describe uh, what happens to the tzaddik after death, uh, there are a number of, uh, of great sources, and there's one even who's translated into English, the, um, the great Gesher Achayim. We're going to be quoting the Gesher Achayim later. Uh, the Gesher Achayim was written by Rav Tokachinsky. It's a, one of the greatest works in Halacha written in the 20th century. Rav Tukhachinsky was a Russian Shiva in Yerushalayim, and uh, the third volume of that book deals entirely with the passing of the soul and what happens to the body and the soul after death. And, and that third volume, which is a, a work of uh, immense importance in the rabbinic world, has even been translated into English. The English uh, uh, title retains the original Hebrew, it's still called Gesher, Hachayim. Let's see if I can get that spelled on the screen for you. Uh, there you have it. Gesher Hachayim is the original Hebrew name of the book, and that title is retained in the English, the English translation. The translation was done by his son, who was a, a subsequent Rosh Hashanah here in Yerushalayim. In any event, that, that's probably the most important source, a rabbinic source available in English. Bottom line, according to um, uh, according to uh, the Bach, aside from mystical sources, it would be probably better to stay at home. Mystical sources justify going to the gravesite, and we should not interfere with any Jew who wishes to act in accord with the mystical sources, but when you go to the gravesite, the only legitimate activity is to pray to God, or if you were offended or insulted the person, you'll ask uh, for forgiveness. You'll ask for forgiveness. Um, now, the next source is the Sefer Sioni. Um, as much as I admire Zionist thinking, this has nothing to do with Zionism. That just happened to be his name, Rav Menachem Sioni. He lived in Germany in the 15th century, long before anyone ever thought of modern Zionism. Uh, he was a, a mystical writer, one of the great rabbis of Germany in the 15th century, and he says as follows: Ta'am Masha Amar ve'avo ad Hebron. Why did Kolev, in the generation of Yehoshua, go to Hebron uh, to visit the grave sites of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? Uh, why did he go? Well. The reason Amul Chazal, the great rabbis of the Gemara say, Halach Kolev Nishtatach Al Kivre Avos, Kolev went to visit the grave sites of the patriarchs, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, the Amar, and he said, Avotai, Kolev, in the generation of Yehoshua, addressed Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, who were buried in Hebron. Avotai, my forefathers, he said to them, Bakshu alai rachamim, seek mercy for me, speaking to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and he said to them, seek mercy, lifnei ha seek mercy for me from God, 
that I should be saved from the plan, the wicked plan of the other spies. Right, Kolov was one of the spies sent by Moshe Rabbeinu to spy out the land in Eretz Yisrael. And Kolev prayed in Hebron that he would not fall prey to the wicked plan of the other spies, that he would remain strong in his uh, belief in the importance and the greatness of Eretz Yisrael. But what, what, what words did he use? How did he pray? He addressed Avram, Yitzhak, the Yaakov themselves. This, this, uh, this idea of the great rabbis of the Gemara will shut the mouths of those people who object asking the deceased to intercede with God and seek mercy from God for us. And he refers specifically to this prayer, which is a highly controversial prayer. He refers specifically to this prayer of Machnisei Rachamim. The prayer which he's referring to was very controversial in the 15th century and remains somewhat controversial today. It's a prayer which occurs at the end of Slichot. You know, before Rosh Hashanah, up until Yom Kippur, uh, every day they say Slichot, uh, Sfaradim, begin with uh, a few weeks earlier, Rosh Chodesh Elul, uh, we begin the week before, Ashkenazim begin the week before, uh, before Rosh Hashanah. In any event, the, uh, in all the standard Slichus books, this prayer of Machnisei Rachamim occurs towards the end of the Slichot every day that Slichot are recited. And the prayer is a, a turning to the Malachim, turning to the angels, beseeching them to ask God to intercede with God for mercy and forgiveness for us. Wow! Uh, 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 here we see what looks like, what smacks of prayer to beings other than God, and that naturally is very controversial. Followers of the Rambam, to this very day, omit this prayer from Slichus. They just skip it. They say, how dare we turn to uh, entities, to beings other than God, to angels, and, and, and pray to them to go to God and intercede for us. We are permitted to pray only to God. Well, here, Menachem Tzioni, in the text before us, is a strong supporter of the text of the Slichus as it stands, and the proof is that Kalev went to the gravesite of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, turned to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov themselves, and beseeched them to intercede with God to bring us, uh, to bring us uh, uh, mercy. Well, uh, this should shut the mouth of anyone who objects to these kinds of prayers. Gam amru hachamim ve'masechet there's another reason to justify turning to beings other than God and addressing them in prayer. Lama yotim beveta kvarot kidesha meitim yivakshu rachamim aleinu. The Gemara says, why do we visit cemeteries? Why do we visit cemeteries? So that the deceased 
will seek out mercy for us from God. Well, uh, uh, one proof would be enough, but Menachem Sioni brings us two proofs, and here we see the great divide between the mystics, represented by the Sefer Sioni in this case, who approve wholeheartedly of addressing the souls of the deceased to intercede for us, uh, addressing the Avos, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and going to the gravesites of the great uh, Tzadikim uh, uh, to intercede for us uh, with God on our behalf. That's well-founded in these mystical sources, as opposed to the halachic sources based on the Rambam that we saw previously, according to which the only acceptable prayer is to pray to God. Let's look at one more uh, source along these lines, and then we'll look at things from the other point of view. Uh, the idea of the Bach, who limits, greatly limits, uh, the, the justification for going to grave sites, uh, better not to go, and if you do go, you daven only to God, we're not going to stop anyone from going, we're not going to encourage anyone to go, but he greatly limits the entire enterprise. The idea of the Bach is embraced by the Ber Hetev, standard commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, published together with the Mishnah Brura in every standard edition of the Mishnah Brura, also quoted by the Chay Adam, the most important of the uh, early 19th century um, uh, halachic handbooks of Lithuania, quoting the Maharil, and these are the words, Beit HaKvarot, the cemetery, is Makom Menuchat HaTzadikim. Cemetery is where the righteous rest after they have passed away. Metochkach, and therefore, Therefore, the cemetery is a holy and a holy and pure place. Prayer is received better in the cemetery. Because it's a place of great holiness and a place of great purity. Anyone who davens, anyone who prays at the gravesite of the tzadikim, should never address the deceased. Ach, however, you should only beseech God. To grant you mercy, the only pray to God that you should get mercy in the merit of the great righteous people who are buried in the cemetery. Well, the Berhetev, uh, one of the greatest of the standard commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, published in the standard editions of the Mishnah Brura, is embracing the approach of the Bach the approach that it is always wrong to address the deceased. It is only correct to pray to God. And the reason to go to the cemetery to do it is the, uh, uh, the mystical reason that because the great uh, righteous people are, are buried there, it's a place of Kedusha, a place of sanctity, 
a place of tahara, a place of purity, and the prayer, therefore, will be better received. Now, now, now of course, the Berhetev uh, does not address the key question of who exactly it is that's supposed to receive the prayer. He says the prayer will be better received if offered in the cemetery, but he begs the question, he does not exactly answer the question who it is that's supposed to receive the prayer. And there are two possible answers to this question. Uh, the, 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 the two possible answers are, number one, it is, of course, God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is supposed to receive the prayer, and the prayer is supposed to have an influence on God, on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second possible answer is that the prayer is to be received by the person who says the prayer. And the prayer is supposed to impact on the person who says it. Prayer is intended to improve the person who prays. And if you go to a location of great sanctity, like the grave sites of great righteous people, the impact of the memory of those great tzaddikim will make your prayer a better prayer. Your prayer will improve yourself. You will be a better person because your prayer will impact on yourself in a better way. After all, after all, the, 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 the rabbis of the Gemara say, what is prayer? Avodah Shebalev. Prayer is Avodah Shebalev, which might be understood as serving God with one's heart, or might be understood as working on one's own heart, improving one's heart, improving oneself. Prayer might be viewed, number one, as a way to impact upon the Kodesh Baruch Hu. And we're hoping that the Kodesh Baruch Hu will accept our prayer and respond positively. Number two, prayer might be viewed as a way of improving our own heart, making ourselves a better person, uh, and uh, uh, the prayer therefore must be received by the person who says it. So those are the two possibilities. Of course, it's possibility number one, which represents the mainstream thinking of the large majority of great authorities. Position number two is the minority view represented by a few great names in rabbinic history, like Rav Kook, Rav Shemshin Rafa Hirsch. Uh, a few great names are on the uh, second side of the issue. Uh, according to the second side of the issue, according to the second approach, the reason to go to the cemetery is because you will be motivated to pray better, thereby improving yourself even more. Okay, at this point, let us uh, take a look at the Maharaj. Here, I got it. Now, uh, uh, remember that we have two approaches here. The halachic approach, uh, if, one go, if one goes to the gravesite, which is not 100% uh, 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 required, uh, uh, if you go to the gravesite, you dive only to God. Second approach was the mystical approach, which justifies turning to the deceased, addressing the deceased. Now, now the Kafachayim that we're about to look at was written by Rabbi Sofer, was his name. 
Uh, he was um, originally from Baghdad, but lived here in Yerushalayim. The book was published around 100 and, just about 100 years ago uh, here in Yerushalayim. And uh, he was, of course, Sfaradi, uh, originally from Baghdad. And just as the Mishnah Brura occupies a, 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 a position of immense importance among Ashkenaz Jews, the Kafachayim is uh, occupies a very similar position of honor and importance among Sephardic Jews. Work is of, uh, of, of immense importance in the Sephardic world, and it's not surprising that he systematically quotes the opinions of the great mystics, the opinions of the great Mikubalim on every halachic issue. In this particular case, he's quoting the opinion of Maharash, Rav Sharabi, the great, the greatest of the um, of the uh, uh, Yemenite mystics. He came to Yerushalayim, came from Yemen, from Teman to Yerushalayim, and he was uh, uh, surely the most influential of the Kabbalists in Yerushalayim at that time. So we're now looking at the things from the Kabbalistic point of view. Whenever he went to a grave site, the great mystic himself, Rabbi Sharabi, whenever he went to a grave, Haya Omer, these are the words that he would say when he was at the grave site. Yehi Ratzon, may it be God's will. May it be God's will that the deceased who is resting here, the Chavod, rest in honor, and may his merit stand by me. That was all that Rav Sharabi would say. Those were his words, beginning to end. Whenever he visited a gravesite, may it be God's will that so-and-so who is resting here rest in honor, and may so-and-so who is resting here, may so-and-so's merit stand by me. Rav Sharabi, the greatest of the mystics of Yerushalayim, did not address the deceased, but followed in practice the approach of the halachists, uh, followed, followed the approach of the, of the Bach, and all the poskim who follow the halachic sources, he prayed to God, only to God, and did not tur turn to address the deceased at all. And therefore, even those who are following in the mystical path, there's good reason to, uh, to avoid uh, visiting, the, uh, visiting the, the deceased and turning, addressing the deceased themselves. Now, uh, surely, the anti-Kabbalists, is there such a thing as anti-Kabbalist position among the, the, the rabbis? Uh, the, the, the horrible truth is, yes, uh, there are rabbis who are anti-Kabbalistic. Not many. The overwhelming majority of rabbis have always been firmly in favor of Zohar and all the, other, all the other Kabbalistic sources, but there have been great rabbis from time to time who've been opposed to the Zohar, opposed to all Kabbalistic material uh, whatsoever. The most famous, of course, is the Rambam. 
and uh, the Rambam had great influence in Yemen, in Teman, and one of the families of Yemenite rabbis, namely the Kafesh family, the last of the great Rav Kafechs just passed away around three years ago here in Yerushalayim. But that rabbinic family, generation after generation, great rabbis in, uh, in Yemen, <coughs> they, they were fanatically opposed to the Zohar, the influence of the Zohar, and anything of a Kabbalistic nature in Judaism. They were rationalists and therefore uh, 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 rejected anything of a Kabbalistic nature. If you're interested in pursuing this approach and understanding this approach, uh, the, the last of Kafech, whom we're we about to quote, his grandfather wrote a famous book called Milchemet Hashem, which is more or less the Bible of the anti-Kabbalistic sources in the rabbinic world. And if you're interested, that Sefer, Milchemet Hashem, is now available online. The entire Sefer can be downloaded uh, from the internet. Let's see what Rav Kafech, the great anti-Kabbalist, says. Oh, I should introduce him a little bit. Um, so my, as far as I know, the book's not been translated, but I'm not very familiar with translated material. The, 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 the title of the show, Sefer is Milchemet uh, Hashem. Uh, and uh, if you Google it, you'll find very quickly how to download the whole thing from the internet. If you have difficulty, feel free to uh, send me an email. I'll send you the link. The uh, Rav Kafech, whom we are about to quote, uh, the, the last in this line of great anti-Kabbalistic rabbis, he lived in Yerushalayim, came originally from Yemen, but uh, came as a boy to Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim, he became one of the great Dayanim, and he was a Dayan on the Bet Din of the Rabbanut HaRashit Yisrael. He was a, 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 a Dayan together with Rav Ovadi uh, Yosef, together with Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, together with the other great Rabbanim of the 20th century on the Bet uh, Din of the Rabbanut Rashi, the chief rabbin of Israel, and as such was immensely influential. Well, first he quotes the Rambam. Rationalists, of course, depend heavily on the thinking of the Rambam. The Rambam says, Lo yifne adam one should not go to visit grave sites. Those are the words of the Rambam. One should not go to visit grave sites. Lefizeh, it follows, according to Rav Kafech, Harambam neged hapnia lebeit haklarot. The Rambam objects to going to cemeteries. Afilu kidelit palel sham. Even if you want to daven to God, Rambam objects to going to gravesites. If you want to daven to God, you can do that at home. You can do that in the synagogue. There's no particular reason to go to a cemetery according to the non-Kabbalistic sources. And the Rambam and Rav Kafech reject the Kabbalistic sources. Further, he quotes Rav Kassar, one of the great uh, Yemenite rabbis, anti-Kabbalistic rabbis, regarding visiting of cemeteries, and they say, Lo Nahaguba B'Teman. Back in the old country, in Yemen, no one visited cemeteries. We all followed the position of the Rambam. 
and the Rambam was a rationalist, rejected the authority of the Zohar, and it's only the authority of the Zohar which tells us there's some special reason uh, to go to the cemetery. And therefore, in Yemen, people didn't visit cemeteries. Lobasof Hashiva, not at the end of seven days of mourning, seven days after the burial. Lobashloshim, not 30 days after the burial. Lo, Biyom Hashanah, not on the anniversary of the death, the yard site. There simply was no practice to visit the grave sites. That, that practice is rooted entirely in Kabbalistic sources, and therefore just simply not practiced. And if you think about it for a moment, you'll realize that these rabbis, Rav Kassar, Rav Kafach, these rabbis who are anti-Kabbalistic, have a big job before them of sorting out those elements of Jewish practice which are rooted in the Zohar, rejecting those, and keeping everything else. It, 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 it's not a simple pr process to figure out exactly which parts of the Siddur, for example, are rooted in Kabbalistic sources, which parts of the Siddur are rooted in Talmudic sources, it requires some careful thought and analysis. Well, they devoted a lot of time and energy uh, to this thought and analysis and have very clear conclusions about which practices in the Jewish religion are rooted in halachic sources and therefore correct, and which are rooted in Kabbalistic sources and therefore should be expunged uh, from the Jewish religion. Um, uh, and uh, if you're interested, you read their works. And uh, you see, of course, prior to the 17th century, uh, uh, it was perfectly clear that prior to the 17th century, there was no interaction between Kabbalah and Halakha, and therefore the whole issue didn't arise until around the 17th century. Okay, next he says, uh, Regarding the common practice that we see in Israel and uh, more or less all over the Jewish world of people going to cemeteries, and, and, and reading, studying Mishnayot uh, and Divrei Torah at the uh, at the gravesite, Mizmor Kufyutet, and and people recite Psalm number 119 next to the grave, Lufi Shem Haniftar, right? Uh, Psalm 119 has eight verses beginning with Aleph, eight verses beginning with Bet, eight verses beginning with Gimel through the whole Aleph Bet. And people go to the gravesite and recite those verses from Psalm 119, which spell out the name of the deceased. Well, uh, they're doing this all the time. We see in Israel, we see throughout the Jewish world, people visiting the gravesites and doing these things. Ana Babituliad. He dismissed it with a wave of the hand. The great Rabbi Kassar just dismissed this whole process of visiting the gravesite, reciting psalms and so forth. He dismissed it with a wave of the hand, and he said, These things are not done by us. We, rationalists, we, anti-Kabbalists, do not do these things. We do not visit uh, the grave sites. Well, uh, bottom line, the whole issue now divides along the following lines of thought. Number one, uh, the pure halacha, 
embraced by the halachists, such as the Bach and those who follow him. In general, uh, there's no particular reason to go to a grave site. Um, if you do go, it's correct to daven to God, or in certain unusual circumstances, you go there to ask forgiveness from the deceased. Uh, rabbis should not discourage people who are following the Kabbalistic sources uh, and going to grave sites. That's the position of the Bach and people following him. On the other hand, we have the Kabbalistic sources led by uh, the Tzioni and the Sfarim following that approach, according to which the grave site is a place of great Kedusha and uh, and uh, Tahara, a place of great holiness and purity, and therefore it's the best place to daven, and it's even correct to beseech the deceased to intercede with God and, and ask for mercy for us. And that's the second big approach. And the third approach is that of the hardcore rationalists who say, just forget it, just don't go. There is no good reason. Uh, to go visit grave sites, and therefore you, you, you're better off staying at home. Now, now, now if you think about it for a moment, uh, you'll realize that this last approach flies in the face of common practice throughout the Jewish world. Let me indicate to you the dimensions of this conflict. Everyone knows that it's very common in the Beit Ha'avel, in the house of mourning, if someone, uh, immediate relative has passed away, so the immediate relatives are sitting shiva, of course. Uh, everyone knows that it's very common for uh, the Beit Avel to be a place where people assemble for prayer. Shachras min they daven in the house, in the house of the mourner. Nowadays, it's even very common to bring a Sefer Torah. Uh, to the house, so they can even have Kriya Torah there. When I was a boy, I don't remember them doing that. It's a recent thing. Um, uh, between Mincha and Mairiv, just about every Beta Avel, just about every house of mourning I've ever visited, between Mincha and Mairiv, Mishnayot are learned for the, ele for the elevation of the soul of the, of the deceased. Um, uh, learning Torah takes place for the elevation of the soul of the deceased, Ilui Hanashama. Now, from the Kabbalistic point of view, this is, of course, a great thing, and this is, of course, of immense value. However, from the halachic point of view, learning Torah in the house of the mourner is prohibited, and therefore, the learning of Mishnayot between Mincha and Ma'ariv should be blocked according to halachic sources. According to Kabbalistic sources, it is highly commendable. According to the halachic sources, should be blocked. Similarly, in just about every house of mourning which I have visited, it is the mourner who acts as Hazan. It is the mourner who acts as Shriach Tibur. It is the mourner who leads the congregation in prayer. And again, from the Kabbalistic point of view, this is of immense value for the benefit of the soul of the deceased. This is Ilui Neshama. This will elevate 
the soul of the deceased from the Kabbalistic, uh, according to Kabbalistic sources. According to halachic sources, the mourner is blocked, is prohibited from acting as chazan. Halachic sources say that the mourner should not be shliach tzibur, should not lead the congregation in prayer, unless, of course, there's no one else present who knows how to do it. If the mourner is the only person present who knows how to function as chazad, so, well, if you have to, you have to. But if someone else can do it, of course, someone else should do it. How does the average person know whom to follow in a controversy like this? Well, as with every other controversial issue, you're going to have to decide which opinion to follow. Uh, statistically speaking, it's perfectly clear where the majority is. Statistically speaking, the majority is firmly in favor of the mystical approach to matters, but those who are following the halachic approach, those who are following the approach of uh, Rav Kafesh, and, and the rabbis who, with a wave of the hand, dismiss practices based on Kabbalistic sources, yesh al-ma-lismoch, they surely uh, have what to rely upon, and, and surely uh, there's no reason to object to what they are not doing. Right? No reason to object to their omission of these uh, Kabbalistic um, uh, practices. Perhaps on another occasion, we should speak at length about conflicts between Halakha and Kabbalah. Perhaps on another occasion uh, we should speak uh, in more detail about the role of Kabbalah in Jewish life, but that's not for us today. I promised before that we would get to the uh, Gesher Achayim. The reason that the Halakha blocks a mourner from leading prayers is that the mourners are sad, and, and therefore mourners should avoid certain specific activities which bring joy to the heart. Uh, among the activities which the mourner is, is commanded to avoid is learning Torah. Pikudei uh, Hashem, uh, the laws of God, make the heart happy. Studying Torah rejoices the heart, and therefore, someone who is in mourning the seven days, seven days of mourning after the the passing of the relative, the mourners should not be learning Torah, except for those elements of Torah which they need to need for mourning. Of course, it's correct for mourners to learn the laws of mourning. But uh, uh, other things outside of Avelut, they should not be. They should not be learning because that rejoices the heart. Well, uh, if the mourner is the rabbi, and there is no one else in town to instruct the people in halacha what they should do and what they should not do, if the public need him, of course he can teach them Torah if they need him. But if there's someone else in town who can instruct the people about what they should do and not do from the Torah point of view, and the rabbi is in the sitting shiva, so the rabbi should not engage in the public teaching of Torah, the public instruction of Torah. And similarly, since acting as a chazan, acting as shliach tzibur, leading the prayers, is like giving a public shiur, a public lesson in Torah, the mourner should not do it as long as there's someone else around who's able to. 
Okay, I, I promised before that we would get to the Gesher Achayim. We only have a few moments left. Uh, the Gesher Achayim, I introduced him before, Rav Tokachinsky, the great uh, Rosh Hashiva of Yerushalayim, Hamit Palel, Al HaKever, Bishvil Achayim, anyone who prays at the gravesite, Al Yitpalel Lamet. It's of course prohibited to address the deceased. Al Yivakesh Mehem. It is of course prohibited to ask anything of the deceased. Ela Yitpalel The only correct thing is to daven to God, to pray to God. Al Nayasi Magamato Alehem. One should not turn in any sense to the deceased. Lo Anyone who turns to the deceased is guilty of violating the principle of Doresh El Hametim, communicating with the dead. So the Gesher Achayim, probably the greatest of the halachic works in the 20th century dealing with uh, death and uh, mourning, uh, has firmly embraced the uh, halachic approach of this issue. Uh, um, with this, we reach the end of our hour. In our next year, a week from today, we are going to speak about the role and position of music in Jewish life, music in mourning, either mourning for the deceased or those times of the year uh, when we engage in mourning. We'll talk about the uh, rabbinic attitude to music in general and uh, specifically in those situations. Until then, I wish you a good week. Shavua Tov and uh, Shabbat Shalom uh, later in the week. Until then, Shalom Shalom.